Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. In the upcoming episodes, we'll look into insights and healthcare delivery in Africa. It's a huge continent with 1.2 billion people and a diverse set of countries. You will hear from speakers working in Kenya, Tanzania, Nigeria and Malawi. And today, we'll dive into how drones are used in Malawi for healthcare delivery. I spoke with Herbert Wairater, the CEO of Jetsi, a technology company based in Switzerland with the ultimate aim of designing and developing high-end multi-purpose drones. Jetsi is present in Switzerland, Malawi, India, Brazil, and in this discussion, Herbert explained what challenges are present in the medical supply chain management in Africa, which stakeholders does the company work with, what's their business model, and why there's no such thing as competition in the medical supply chain drone delivery space in Africa, because healthcare needs all the help it can get. Enjoy the show, and if you haven't yet, make sure to check out our newsletter, You can find it at fodh.substack.com. That's fodh.substack.com. Now let's dive into today's discussion. Herbert, thank you so much for joining this discussion for Faces of Digital Health about what you're doing with Jetsi. How are drones used for healthcare delivery, more specifically in Malawi? Let's start with the destination. How did you end up working in Malawi, given that the company is based in Switzerland? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. We were looking as a drone delivery company. If you have a new aircraft, you want to fly somewhere. And Switzerland was not the perfect place for that. That's why we were looking for a country which has easy regulation. And it turns out Malawi was one of those. And that was really great because we also see that we can have a big impact in that country because they really need new solutions like drone delivery for their healthcare system. So when you say that Malawi was the perfect target, did you do a comparison with other African countries? So why was Malawi different? It was a combination. We were on the one side looking for a partner. And on the other hand, we wanted to find a country where it's easy to get going. And in Malawi has built up a flight corridor in a specific area where new concepts and new drones can be tested also for long range and everything. And additionally, we found a great partner in Malawi, basically the former principal of the Ministry of Health. And this NGO and us, we then started to work together and still have a great collaboration. That's why we chose Malawi. We haven't explained yet what kind of medical deliveries do you do. So let's start with that. Is it just blood samples, blood supplies? What exactly do you transport with drones? 
And maybe you can also talk about the quantity of the deliveries that you do. Yeah. Especially here in Switzerland, we mainly transport blood samples. Our specialty is collecting things in the medical area because we directly dock on the window. So basically a doctor or a hospital doesn't need any intralogistic. So you cut out one big interface in the supply chain, which uh, makes it much faster, but also uh, significantly more cost efficient. And this is like currently in, in industrialized countries like Switzerland, it's mainly collecting blood samples. In Malawi, it's a bit different. We transport pretty much everything. So medicine, spare parts, basically anything what the health center would need. And we're also working on trying to transport blood bags so people can get a blood transfusion directly at the health center because currently the people actually need to get picked up by an ambulance, which is not really available. And only when they are in the main hospital, they can get a blood transfusion. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, they have five ambulances for a million people and they're almost every month they're running out of fuel so basically the ambulances can are working like two weeks a month and other than that they just have to say yeah i'm sorry we cannot help you because mm -hmm. we have no fuel yeah so that's the situation currently direct impact on patients basically Yes. So how exactly, can you maybe talk a bit more about the process? So if somebody needs a delivery, let's say a blood sample, so how do you, how does the whole process look like? How do you coordinate with the healthcare workers? How do the healthcare workers come to where that sample is needed or that blood supply is needed? How is all that coordination managed? And perhaps also how much IT is involved in that? Because all the components that you mentioned immediately get me thinking about all the laboratory, EHR, or other systems that you might want to have that information. Yeah. We have, a, on the one side, we have a fixed schedule. So we try to reach a health center every single day at an exact time. So they start to remember, okay, this is coming, so I need to either ship something from one point to the other. And basically it's a WhatsApp group. So whenever a health center needs something, they put it in the WhatsApp group. It gets approved by the district hospital logistic manager, and then they put it into the drone. And so not too much IT involved currently, but yeah, for the emergency things, which what we're not doing yet, but this is coming it's similar a process, just that we need to be better organized, that we have drones which are ready to go so that the drones, they're fully charged and stuff like that. So it's like a higher complexity on our side. The process is then still the same. I think this was probably one of the use cases that in healthcare we were looking most forward to when drones became more easily 
accessible. But then there's also potential challenges because, for example, it's not that hard to shoot down a drone or disable the drone while it's flying. What are the key risks that you're facing in your work and how are you mitigating them? Uh, the challenges in Malawi are very different from the challenges here in Switzerland. So, for example, in Malawi, one of our big challenges is that they have power outages like four to six hours per day, like very common. So how should we charge the batteries in that time? And so we're trying to also get solar panels that connected and stuff like that. Obviously, that's not a problem what we have here in Switzerland. In, in Switzerland, much bigger challenge is how to get a route certified because there are quite big and long rulemaking process to certify a single route. Um, so in terms of scalability, that is the big challenge. And then on the other hand, in Malawi, it's, for example, also importing the stuff to the country. Their customs is super difficult. You need to apply for a waiver and this needs to go through a ton of paperwork. And so they're very different, right? The problems and it's, not so easy to say, okay, this is our main challenge. But in, in general, I think the direction is that they absolutely need a solution, not only in Malawi, but also in industrialized countries, because logistics and fast logistics are super critical for every single healthcare system in the world. And currently it's not done in a sustainable way. We were transporting 10 gram blood samples with two ton cars. That makes no sense. That's why we believe the drone technology will definitely be a, play a major part in the medical industry in the very near future. And how are the deliveries protected so they don't get damaged on the way? We never had a problem that somebody wants to shoot down the drone. So we were, we're not in a war scenario or so. And we land in a defined area where the, basically the health centers know that it's coming and people in Malawi are super kind and nice. So that was actually never really a problem. Obviously our, where we store our aircraft is currently, there is like a, security guy during the night, but that's pretty much it. Right? So you mentioned basically some of the infrastructure challenges, such as having the right energy supply. You also need to have connectivity, right? So the drone flies from one place to the other. How are you addressing that? To which extent is it basically your problem that you have to take care of the infrastructure? And to which extent basically does the government take care of that? Yeah. What I'm basically asking is how much do you have to go beyond your primary product to also deal with other infrastructure needs that are required for your business to operate? Yeah, we're currently using two SIM cards. Surprisingly, in Malawi, the network is really good. So in all the health centers so far, we had quite good connectivity. So that was not a big problem. So far as a startup, we can obviously not afford to go too deep into also 
making sure that we have energy supply and building up solar panels that really a, a little bit beyond our current startup budget. But if we get donors and so on, I think that would definitely help us a lot to get this absolutely needed infrastructure. Also for a health center, they are also out of power. You come there and it's like half of the day, they don't have even power. And they have patients, what obviously they need. They would need many different things which require power supply. And how is that managed then? What do you do if the drone is out of power when it reaches the medical center and it would need to be charged before it's sent back, but there's no power? Yeah. Currently, we can only wait until the power comes back in certain locations. In some, sometimes we're lucky, especially when we're at the main hospital, we have several batteries there and we can just easily swap the battery, which are already charged. But if it's in a health center somewhere where we usually don't have a, a spare battery, then we have to wait until power comes back that the drone charges. Mm -hmm. We mentioned before that you basically chose Malawi as your primary market in Africa, but I still want to hear a bit more about any research that you did about other African countries. Are you considering to enter other markets in Africa as well. And you can also mention basically how you as Jetsi work in other markets such as Brazil or India, because that's also where you operate. Yeah. Currently, we're still very busy and Malawi is our main focus area to really scale up in there because we also have our factory there. And Brazil, we have a great partner which basically buys our aircraft and operates it by himself in in Brazil. The same for India. And yeah, that's... And in terms of operations, Europe is mainly our main market because their regulatory things are very clear. And that's why you can really fly, for example, in, in the U.S., the re regulatory market is still very challenging and there is still not a clear path how to then really operate in a large scale. And are you referring to just drones in general or drones in healthcare? Uh, the no, regulation related to it? Yeah, the regulation regarding drone delivery and especially for medical purposes. Yeah. So you are using the Jetsi drones also in Europe for medical deliveries? Yes. So we, Where? In Switzerland. So we're operational in Switzerland for the biggest laboratory here in Switzerland. And there we basically bring currently the blood samples from one lab to another one. And we're expanding to connect hospitals and also doctors to significantly increase the speed to get the results, but also to be more sustainable and cost efficient. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the either feedback or responses that you're getting with the introduction of these solutions? 
To which extent are you faced with hesitancy around safety and issues that I was also raising before? Can you maybe compare that a bit in Europe and in other markets, just all the experiences that you have? In terms of safety, the aviation authority is basically responsible that you operate in a safe manner. So basically, once you have the permission to fly, it's a stamp, a quality stamp that you have a safe aircraft to operate. On the other hand, if you have incidents and so on, you then get grounded and you lose your permission to fly. It's a similar procedure also in Malawi, just that there is by far not that many regulations. So whenever you have something new, you can try it out a lot more easily in in the test corridor uh, of UNICEF. And those are like the major difference on regulation. But the feedback is they would love to have much, much more routes because they have many challenges also here in Switzerland because at the moment all the samples are pretty much coming back at five o'clock in the evening, so at rush hour, and they're stuck in traffic every single day. And then the people have to wait in the lab to get the results then, or basically to analyze the blood samples. And at the end, this costs a lot of money, right? So we make the whole process significantly faster and then also more cost efficient because you don't have those um, mm-hmm. factors like traffic, uh, etc. Can you tell me a little bit more about the business model and how you created it? Because when it comes to new technologies, it's not that they don't have the right application. It's just that sometimes they're not cost-effective or there's not an immediate return on investment that would make the whole ideas appealing to investors, at least not in the short run. So how are you approaching that, especially since you are working in Africa too? Yeah. Basically, our main business model, what the laboratories and so what they know is the taxi model, right? So taxi drivers, how they are charging and and we have a very similar business model. So when we do the service, we have the same business model as a taxi driver would do it, right? And I think that's the simplest way for the customer to really understand the service. In other countries like Brazil, it's obviously different because there we sell the aircraft and the software and then you also the education and everything. Yeah, that's two different models that we have. When you first entered Malawi, what kind of expectations did you have and what did you then discover about the healthcare provision? What are some of the things that potentially surprised you when you went there? <laughs> we started basically pretty much during COVID. And so when COVID started, we also started in Malawi. And obviously, the healthcare system here in Switzerland was significantly more prominent suddenly because there was this huge thing of COVID and everybody was trying to understand what's going on and all these kind of measures what were implemented here in Europe. And it was very different in Malawi 
they still their main issue was malaria and many other diseases. So that was really surprising, right? Because you have like in Europe, they only talk about COVID and yeah, in, in, in Malawi, they basically have much bigger problems, but since ages, right. And they were, they're still not really able to solve them sustainably. And obviously COVID was a big thing there also, but the other things were never gone. And so that was a big surprise that those healthcare systems like Malawi are that fragile. And I was also visiting a hospital there where we now operate. And the first thing was basically three ambulances, but without wheels, they are just used as a spare part for other cars, which are still working. They don't work for a very long time. But those are like the first impressions. Which, and yeah, I was just thinking that would be crazy. You would never see something like that in, in Switzerland. Yeah. Stuff like that are pretty significant impressions. Yeah. I think in one of the videos that uh, she did to just showcase how you work and I'm going to maybe embed that in the post accompanying this discussion or in the link in the show notes you I think you mentioned that basically healthcare is a very emotional topic in Malawi yeah. so maybe you can talk a bit more also about that yeah absolutely I mean you know when you visit such a healthcare center and you know that every single day they're calling for the ambulance and pretty much every single day they have to tell them hey, we cannot come because the ambulance is already somewhere else or we have no fuel. If I would imagine it's my kid and the ambulance doesn't come because it doesn't have fuel, that's extremely emotional. So, yeah, we have to change that. And that's also a big driver why we want to really make a difference there. If we dig still a bit deeper into how are you then making this all happen, can you talk a bit more about basically who did you have to contact first to start working in the country and how did you also build up the team locally? That was actually really difficult initially to get to know the right people and Somehow we were lucky and got to know Dan America, which is our partner in, in Malawi. And it's really crazy. Wherever you go, he knows everybody. So he's really our anchor to, to any problems what we have. He knows the right person to get it solved. I think you have to be lucky on, on the one hand to find people like that in a country. And on the other hand, I think it's also the country itself, the mindset that they really want to move forward. They know they don't have a lot of money, but there are technology solutions to make a difference and to help in that way that it makes it possible. That's also not the case in many countries where you know, when they don't have regulation in place, then yeah, they don't have it. What can I do? But 
to make it work, even if you don't have regulation in place. That's the example how Malawi is doing it. And what types of other technologies did you also see, or maybe entrepreneurs or ideas that are there in order to change what's possible to change? I think you you mentioned a few very good things to have in mind. So the lack of infrastructure, the fact that there's lack of resources to even do anything, the fact that basically while we predominantly talk about non-communicable diseases in the West, Africa has communicable diseases in the forefront. And on top of that, the increasing awareness that all the chronic diseases that we have here are also there, but are slowly being addressed. So a huge amount of problems. And what did you see that kind of inspired you or thought was also very useful or interesting? Yeah, interesting question. For example, currently we are trying to find a solution that the healthcare, the health centers can do blood matching by themselves, right? Without big infrastructure. We're currently looking for solutions like that to make the next step and do those emergency blood bag deliveries. But in general, the technology and innovation in Malawi, I have to say I'm a bit too far away from Switzerland. I am in Malawi like once every two months, but I don't really have the full picture what in the healthcare system really is advancing in terms of other technologies. So yeah, we're pretty much focused on our solution and getting it on the market as, and getting it to as many health centers as possible. Yeah. And how are you approaching scaling and the next steps in terms of what you want to achieve on that market? How does that even work? What is it that you require to be able to scale on that market? As Malawi doesn't have budget at all, more or less, to finance that. So it's mainly financial budget what we would also need to really expand faster and obviously 80% already is the 80% of the budget of the healthcare system in Malawi is already from donors mm-hmm. so it's super fragile system so because if one donor doesn't jump in anymore you have a huge gap because the government cannot fill the gap with their budget, what they currently have. So those are for sure one of the biggest challenges. Scaling up like the manpower in Malawi is really great because the many people are willing to work, but they don't have many jobs in Malawi currently. We have 16 people currently and yeah, we did one job description and we got 400 applications for one single job so it's basically not the human resourcing is not a big challenge in Malawi and how how did you approach that by the way choosing the one person that you were looking for among 400 people yeah we had basically we've we have done a workshop where a few people of our team in Switzerland were in Malawi and there 
we obviously pre-selected quite a few and after the workshop, a few of those basically got the job and they helped us a lot then also in the selection process for further people afterwards. We also have one HR person in Malawi, which basically does all the sourcing and screening of the people. You got me wondering how basically your whole business model because of the financing has to be focused not that much on looking for the customer, but really on looking for a third party investor or payer. So do you actually ease your main thing to be able to enable to do what you do does the focus actually need to be on funding on finding those donors too or who does that does the government focus on that yeah not only obviously there are several donors in malawi which do financing in that direction but our main focus is europe where we can earn good money for the service what we do that we can then also finance our service in Malawi, which is obviously part also of our development process because there we can really test new things and go out and do all the reliability tests that we know when it works, we can then also use it in Europe. So at the moment, it's part of our development process to mm. do that service in Malawi. So that's... Right how we finance it, more or less. It makes sense, I guess. It's just not... I'm just trying to think what are the potential sustainable and long-term business models that you can deploy in yeah. Africa. I don't know if you have any additional comments or ideas there in terms of what you saw and how much contact do you even have with other entrepreneurs that are working on this market. No, I think the government itself has to make the jump and put a budget, a clear budget on, on medical logistics in their country with the same budget, what they are spending currently for ambulances. I think you can probably have 10 times better and more deliveries with drones. And so it's a much more efficient way, but at the end, at some point, the government has to just pay also for the service as every normal country would do, right? But this is a political process and they, they did change. It's already in the budget plan for the next five years. That's what they decided beginning of the year, actually. But it takes time until processes like that are really fully implemented. Mm -hmm. So maybe just one last question. What are you maybe most optimistic about in terms of the future years that are coming with your presence on the market? Do you have any new or additional ideas in terms of how this technology could be applied or maybe thinking about other countries inside Africa as well? What are some of the things on the roadmap or just in the mindset that you are thinking about? Yeah. No, I'm very optimistic on the drone techne technology basically worldwide, especially for Africa. It will have the biggest impact because healthcare systems there are like Malawi, super fragile. And in, in one jump, 
you have better logistics than even a country like Germany, right? I think the the future is really bright in in that sense that two billion people currently don't have access to fast medication. And I think that will change significantly, where not only us, but also others will contribute to that. And in, in general, I think a healthcare system can be significantly more cost efficient if you have a fast, sustainable and affordable delivery service behind it. Because, yeah, basically every country in the world depends on having a good supply chain in, in the back. So, yeah, I'm absolutely convinced that every healthcare system in the world will use drone technology very soon. One last question, and then we'll wrap up. I do know that you're obviously not the only provider of drone technology. There's Zipline that's present in, I think, more than just Rwanda. So how do you use, how would you say that you differentiate from others? Are you in contact with other providers too? You're not, I wouldn't really say yeah. that given the huge need, you're not really a com competition. I would imagine yeah, that the, you want to share knowledge moment, as much as possible. Exactly. At the moment, I think it's really striving together because countries like Malawi would probably need five zip lines and 10 more providers in, in general to really cover the whole country. And Yeah, in our specialty is really for industrialized countries, probably because we can directly dock at the window what nobody else is doing at the moment. And our docking station is also an automatic charging station, which makes the whole delivery process very efficient, right? So you don't need any humans on site not for takeoff or landing. That's basically a, the healthcare worker can load it and also the healthcare worker can then unload it. I think in that sense, we're probably one of the most efficient solutions on the market, especially in industrialized countries. But yeah, I think at the moment it's really striving together to get the thing flying. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health, a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the show, or follow us on LinkedIn. Additionally, check out our newsletter. You can find it at fodh.substack.com. That's fodh.substack.com. Stay tuned.